Uh, good day, everyone. It's uh, me again, Mark Anthony, here at Demolition News, Demolition Daily. Um, those of you that weren't here yesterday will not be aware we're planning to broadcast on a daily basis, 3, 3 p.m. UK time, throughout um, the coronavirus uh, crisis that's going on. Um, lots to discuss today, uh, even more as a result of yesterday. But just to save those of you that, that want to know, hanging around, a couple of bits that we want to touch on is that we want to do a very quick update on the PPE appeal um, started by DE Group and Cantalon to uh, try and get together as much PPE as we can for first responders and NHS staff. Very quick update on that. And then really it's going to kick straight into um, the lockdown that's in, in place here in the UK and the likely impact on the demolition industry, the construction industry and, and the wider world. A couple of bits from yesterday. Um, been absolutely blown away by the re the response and and the feedback that we've had. I was still getting email messages that had just gone two o'clock in the morning um, today um, from people that have watched it on YouTube and on on Facebook as well. So this this podcast or this show has has reached far and wide. Um, we've had messages over from Australia, from New Zealand, from Canada, um, and just so you're aware, I'm I'm doing this show now. Um, as soon as I finish here, I've got to get ready for another one because the uh, the good folks of the National Demolition Association in the States are planning to come on and, and we'll be doing a second show with them, including the president, uh, Chris Godek. So just a very quick back, look back on, on yesterday. One thing that, that nobody seemed to pick up on was the fact that I, I did the entire show with a blue tongue. Um, I made the mistake of sucking a sweet before I came on here and it died my, my tongue blue. Uh, it's not COVID-19. It's nothing like that. Uh, it's just a, a, a sucky sweet. So as I say, lots to get through. So let's get, let's get straight on with um, the update on the PPE situation. Um, I asked... Uh, uh, Paul at um, Cantal on this morning to come up with a list of all those companies that have signed up to help in some way with the PPE appeal. Uh, and he very kindly sent that over. So I'm just going to give a, a very quick name check to all these people because the, the work that they're doing w it is worthy of recognition. So um, here, here goes the list. It's Neil Bailey at Bayonix who has supplied PPE to NHS in Essex, Brendan Morrissey at Artel Scaffolding, David Harrison at Kelpbray, Joe Swift at Eason Group, Michael Facey and Dunny Blundell at First Response Site Services, Lee Piper at Costain, uh, the team at Clifford Devlin, Ross Kelly in Glasgow, who delivered uh, PPE to a funeral home in Glasgow, Panther Construction Products in Bradford, who have delivered uh, PPE to their local NHS services, uh, Paul Bland at John F. Hunt, uh, Sean, Hunt uh, Sean Nutley rather, at the workwear company Lemon, Amy Roth at North TV, who are starting a collection to supply um, in Carlisle. C&D Consultancy and Avondale Construction. And I, I think it's a measure of of the altruism that's going into this. When I asked for that list, the two people that, that um, Paul from Cantalon left off was his own company, Cantalon, and he's co-founder of the, of the Appeal DE Group. So just a big thank you to all of those guys uh, for their ongoing work on, on what is a very challenging um, project right now. <clears throat> so... We move on to the lockdown. Um, obviously, those of you that are based in the UK will have seen yesterday that Boris Johnson took to the airwaves to announce the fact that the UK was going into lockdown. Uh, there was lots of feedback about this online, no great surprise. I, I don't think it's happened another time in our lifetime. Um, so obviously, lots of people very, very concerned about it. 
The one thing that wasn't touched on was um, the likely impact on construction and on demolition. Um, and uh, we were, I think we were all living in hope that somebody would come onto the TV this morning and explain exactly what the situation is. Um, to a degree, that's happened. Michael Gove uh, has been on TV. Now, I'll, I'll keep back the fact that I wouldn't trust Michael Gove to walk my dog, let alone to organise um, the country in a national crisis. Um, but he has basically said that as we stand today, construction and demolition staff are considered key workers. And as a result, they are allowed to continue to work, travel to work, and, and all that goes with it. <laughs> I, I find myself in two minds on this, to be honest. There's a part of me that, that thinks that everybody should just pack up and go home until well, everything's safe. But to a degree, that's a bit like me voting, a turkey voting for Christmas because I draw my living from um, construction and demolition, much as most of you that are watching this will do so as well. Um, but I think ultimately we, we, we've got to look at the bigger picture here. I, I, it, it occurs to me when when I'm looking at this, we get awfully excited about once a year when the health and safety executive release their uh, accident fatality statistics. And the last set of statistics said that the construction industry, together with demolition, had managed to um, be involved in the death of 40 individuals during the last year. As it stands at the moment, the coronavirus, last time I checked, had killed 233. As an industry, construction and demolition invests a lot of money on um, PPE, on training, on providing equipment that is as safe as possible, on putting in place um, safe methodologies and safe working practices. We spend an inordinate amount of time on risk assessments. And yet, where's the risk assessment for this? We are sending construction and demolition workers to sites where they will be rubbing shoulders with their colleagues. Um, and uh, I, I mean, w one of the things that I found most shocking, I mean, obviously the, the London Underground is always busy, so the very fact that it was busy yesterday came as no great surprise. But when you see pictures coming out of uh, London construction sites where you've got a site meeting going on and you've got probably 50, 60, maybe even 100 guys in a very, very small space, you know, there's there's no way that they are practicing um, social distancing whatsoever, um, and it I, it gets it does beg the question just how you go about enforcing social distancing in an environment like construction or demolition. Now, I've just noticed coming into the green room, I've got Nigel Williams. Um, before I, I bring him on, Nigel was very kindly took part in one of our uh, podcasts recently uh, for Diggers and Dozers. He's a, a self-employed and self-funded operator, excavator operator. Now, I'm, I'm sure he is watching the developments with um, the COVID crisis even more closely than some, um, because obviously as it stands at the moment, there will be an 80% payout from, you know, in one way or another from the government to help fund wages for those that are employed in the traditional sense. But as it stands at the moment, the likes of Nigel and the likes of myself who are self-employed are currently scheduled to get £94 a week. I'd be very surprised if £94 a week would even cover um, Nigel's fuel bill. Um, so hopefully he can hear me. I think he's actually in his excavator as, as we speak. We, we've talked before about um, some of the challenges that, that the self-employed and the self-funded um, people in the industry um, face. One of the things that, that really struck me from our previous conversation was a point that you made about the fact that you'd looked ahead on the calendar and the Christmas and New Year holiday was going to be, I think, approximately 10 days long. And that was 10 days that you don't get paid. 
and you were already factoring that into your consideration and your financial planning for uh, the year? Well, you, you, you have to look ahead. We're, we're, we are self-employed. We are self-funded, which means there's no holiday pay. There's no sick pay. And we're, we have to make provisions for ourselves. You know, the company isn't going to pay isn't going to pay anything for us. That includes making sure we set aside a little bit of money just in case we have a day sick and we have to plan in advance. If, if we want to take a vacation day, then we have to obviously put that money to one side. And it, with with Christmas, Christmas is it's a mandatory shutdown. And some, some years you're lucky you get just the one week shutdown where Christmas and bank holiday, the, uh, Christmas and New Year, they fall fairly close to each other and they fit within sort of seven or eight days. But last year, you, you were 10 days shut down. This year will be the same. And, yeah, you, you have to make sure you've got the money set aside to make sure that you've got two weeks' money to to cover the bills, cover the essentials, and make sure that you're taken care of for the, for the family. And with this COVID-19 crisis that we're facing now, yeah, we're, we're now sitting there... I mean, like tonight, my site is shut down as of 5 p.m. tonight. I came to work this morning. We had a full week's work ahead of us, and we were just going to plough on. And the powers that be have said, well, actually, today, 5 o'clock, end of play, gather, gather the machines up, put the shutters on, and that's it for at least three weeks. How do you actually factor that in? I mean, as you say, you know, most years are, are predictable. You've got your, your various shutdowns that we all expect and that we'll anticipate. With this one, we're going into a lockdown and we don't actually know where the end is, do we? No idea. No idea. Um, and I don't think the government does either. That's, that's the brutal honesty of it. Nobody seems to know anything. It's going to be. They said. They they said anticipate three weeks worth of shutdown until we can get Nigel back on um, on a bit of a, a stable footing. Um, I just want to go back over some of the bits and pieces that, that I've been looking at on this. I've got a, a, a stream of um, comments that are coming up on the side here. I'm going to go through a few of them. Um, what are we looking at? Um, so yeah, James Lee Wilson. Hi, James. Um, thanks for your comment. Business is open as usual, and and I don't think you're alone in that. I mean, certainly, most of the people that I've spoken to over the past few days are still going to work. Um, I've got a ridiculous situation with my youngest daughter, who basically works for a coffee company, uh, and she is currently considered a key worker because one of the customers of her coffee company is uh, the NHS, and she has to keep supplying uh, coffee to the NF NHS, so she has to go into an office with other workers on a daily basis. There's something wrong there, um, but that's nowhere near as extreme as the situation we have in the construction sector. If you think about the way that construction sites work, you know, you've got your guys traveling to and from work together, you've got toolbox talks, and you've got canteen breaks and, and that kind of thing, and cigarette breaks, where people are continually side by side, rubbing shoulders with each other. Now, we, we, as I said before, we've spent an awful lot of time and an awful lot of money making allowances for and preparing for hazards. That's what demolition does. You know, a lot of the way that demolition works is based around how to overcome hazards. Well, surely a global pandemic is the biggest hazard that the demolition industry has faced pretty much ever. 
So why are we keeping sites open? It, it really doesn't make any sense to me at all. Um, I've, I've got on my phone here, if I can still find it, um, given all that's going on at the moment. Um, yeah, I've got a, 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 list, a, a list of do's and, well, mainly do's and not, not so many don'ts for um, staying safe on site. So stay two metres apart. That's fine if you've got a big enough site cabin, but most, most haven't, but okay. Check hot running water and soap and check drinking water supply. Well, you know, I've, I've, I've been on a lot of demolition sites, a lot of construction sites. Some these days are very, very good. But running water at all on some is something a bit special. And soap, I would suggest, is something of a rarity in a good many as well. Don't sit in overcrowded welfare cabins. Uh, you find me a welfare cabin that isn't crowded, and I'll find you a site that isn't working particularly hard. Uh, if any, if you or any of your colleagues start feeling the symptoms, leave site and go home. Yep, sound advice, but by that time, my guess is that's probably too late. Not that I am um, in any way a, a, a medical expert, but you know, safety briefings should be done in the open with workers two meters apart. Um, okay, um, if that's possible, I guess that that that's a, a good way forward. Breaks should be staggered to reduce the amount of people in contact with others. Okay, a good sense again. A strict cleaning, cleaning regime in between breaks to regularly clean frequently touched surfaces and objects, including sight hut and door handles. I can't see it happening. I really can't. You know, I, uh, despite the fact that the, the industry has moved on a huge amount over the years, sites are not clean places. By any means, and and even those that have got very very well equipped welfare units, they're not well well equipped enough. Um, I've got a. It looks like I've got a few more comments coming in here. Um, yeah, one one here from from Scott. We've been told to keep working as normal within government government guidelines. Yeah, that's absolutely right. That's exactly what we've been told. But is that is that good sense? Now, I I, I guess my my point. It doesn't look like we're going to be able, be able to get Nigel back on, uh, unfortunately, because I know he's got a lot to say on the subject. So he's going to have to listen to me spouting forth for a little while. I guess one of the things that that really strikes me with all of this is the fact that employers and clients have a duty of care to their workers. So if you take the average demolition site where you've got a client and they, they have a duty of care to their contractors who have a duty of care to their subcontractors who each have a, a duty of care to their employees. Now, if we were asking demolition workers and construction workers to go to work during a blizzard when there were clearly risks to their health there you know the really serious risks of them not making it alive um you know we'd all think twice about that we do exactly the same in a flood and yet with something like this which is it's already proven to be highly contagious and you know it, it seems to spread like wildfire particularly in, in environments where it's difficult to keep things clean we're just soldiering on which seems like absolute madness to me i i I keep going back. I, I, I must admit, I didn't sleep particularly well last night because I keep going back over the points the, uh, that Stefano Pansieri made uh, from Despe in Italy. He's seen the effects of the coronavirus up close and thankfully not too personal, but he's seen them up close. And the, 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 the comment that he made that sticks in my mind is the fact that he went, in the space of 22, uh, 72 hours, he went from basically worrying about the likely financial impact on his company to the survival of his family. 
That's what we're talking about here. Now, I don't want demolition work to stop. I don't want construction work to stop because that's how I earn my living. Now, really and truly, I shouldn't be sat here with headphones on. I should be out on site with a video camera in my hand or a notebook in my hand interviewing people about how they're, how they're doing their work and, and all that goes with it. I can't do that at the moment. And, and to be honest, if somebody invited me now, my ch- chances are I would actually re- decline. I can't see any point in taking the risk, despite the fact that, you know, I've got I've got rent to pay, I've got bills to pay, I've got food to buy, and all the things that go with it. You you I can't see any point in taking the risk. I really can't. Um unfortunately it looks like Nigel has gone. Um I, I'm gonna probably gonna have to cut this one a little bit shorter than we did yesterday. Um one thing that I did want to draw your attention to, um, and, and hopefully we have a bit more success with the uh, connection, is I am scheduled to speak at four thirty to um a couple of guys from the National Demolition Association in the US. Now, the NDA have been very, very active literally since the COVID virus first reared its head. They've been putting out resources on their website to keep people informed on what to do, what not to do, where to go and where not to go. Um, So I'm going to be catching up with those guys. So we we haven't had a huge amount of success with with this uh, cast. And I just had another comment come in. Thank you very much indeed for that, Thomas. yeah, you're right. The risk to keep going is too great. I, I totally agree. So, yeah, if you want to stick around, we're scheduled to speak at 4.30. It will be on Facebook again. Um, I'm, I'm sure it'll be a very interesting uh, conversation. One of the guys that I'm speaking to is uh, Chris Godek, who is the president of the NDA in, in America. I met Chris last year in Japan. Um, yeah, I get to all the good places. Um, and, and he's a very, very erudite, very well-considered guy. Um my personal feeling um, is the fact that the NDA has come on leaps and bounds uh, with him at the helm and, and with a new regime there as well. And Jeff Lambert is part of that new regime and he'll be on as well. Um, We're going to be looking at the American experience effectively, um, how the Americans have responded and and try and compare and contrast with that with, with how we're doing things in the States. And I I think one of the things that, that strikes me in both instances is the fact that, uh, you know, I, I have no great time for Boris Johnson. I have no great time for Donald Trump. I'd have no great time for politicians at all. Um, but they are in a, a very difficult, if not impossible, position as we stand at the moment. They make a decision, and sure as eggs is eggs, somebody will come up and say, well, but what about? My, my wife was showing me something on Facebook last night about um, families where you've got um, the child is in, custody with one parent and and you know they're separated so so does the child go from mother to father at the weekend and, and so on down the line i guess the, the the actual answer is probably no uh, but how do you do that how do you keep children away from their their parents and it's probably wrong to expect the likes of boris johnson and, and donald trump to make special dispensation for construction but it's important to remember speaking to somebody earlier today, that construction is thought to be one of the biggest independent employers in the UK. Best part of a million people, if not more than a million people, employed. Now, that should that should surely push the, the needs and the requirements of construction a bit further up the govern, government's list. But it, also, it should also make them think, 
more closely about the fact, you know, I, I don't know how closely you've all been watching um, the news and, and, and the broadcast that we've been getting from both sides of the Atlantic and this idea of flattening the curve of the, the growth of the coronavirus and, and how we try and reduce exposure and, and so on down the line. That only works if you're taking a large number, you know, as many people as possible out of circulation. If you're putting in rules and regulations that take out, you know, large parts of the employment workforce, but you're leaving a million workers going to work on trains, on London Underground, on trams, on buses, and, and you know, sharing cars and sharing lifts and sharing trucks and that kind of thing, you're missing a trick. You really are missing a trick. So I'm going to call it a day now. Um, my apologies for the, uh, the the problems with the uh, the connection earlier on. No idea what happened there. It all seemed to be hunky-dory. I had a full signal here. Maybe it was Nigel's end that was the problem. And, and my apologies, Nigel, for, for having wasted your time, although I think you managed to get your point across. So please, um, stay safe, everyone. Uh, if you can get back here at 4.30 this afternoon, um, I'm going to go and hit my um, – server with a very big hammer in the hope that it will be behaving a little bit better when Chris and Jeff from the NDA come on. Uh, until then, thanks for watching and I'll see you again if you're here later today. If not, I'll see you again tomorrow. Thanks for watching.